0: I see some familiar faces. Uh, that's great, and I see uh, some real new faces. So, um, I'm Reggie Alderman. Um, I first met Jeff and Jen and the family back in 09, 2010, somewhere in there. It was uh, the days of the long center. Some of you, most of you, perhaps don't have a recall of that. Those were fun days. Everything got packed up in a truck after the service and unpacked for the next... It was just a... a Sunday was a a miraculous act of motion. And uh, those were exciting days. Since then, my journey has taken me to serve at other churches, started two counseling practices of which I've now retired, resigned, and uh, and now I find myself working as a chaplain at the uh, Franciscan Hospital. In these days. And so it's an exciting time. It's a transitional time for for me. And in fact, that's one of the things I want to talk about in the coming weeks. I want to talk about transitions because you're in one. I'm in one. And if you're not in one, you will be, or you've just come out of it. Sometimes transitions uh, are self-inflicted. And that doesn't have to be negative. It's just sometimes we make choices and and it creates a transition. Sometimes transitions are uh, inflicted upon us, and those usually are not fun. But in the uh, final analysis, God is still God. He is the uh, ultimate, the sustainer, the provider. And those things we know, but oftentimes find it challenging to implement in the transition of the moment. Now, what I'm going to be speaking on is about some great examples of the Scriptures. Now, if you were to talk to me about how do you do transitions, you don't want to talk to me. I don't do transitions well. I don't like them. I don't don't like change, period. So that part, God has to really help me through when they come because they always will. So I'm going to take several... uh, people, the Bible, circumstances in the Old and New Testament these coming weeks, and talk about transition. And when I first thought about this series, my mind immediately went to Ruth, uh, the ultimate of transition. So today, um, you'll see the scripture verses here come up in a minute, but we have been talking about the story of Ruth. Was it a detour or a destiny? Uh, And I think we'll see that when we walk through it. Um, First of all, the book of Ruth um, and this story came about during the uh, times of the the judges. It was a very difficult time. Uh, And in Bethlehem, a famine had occurred. And it wasn't just there. It was widespread. And how widespread, I don't really know. But it was there. So this family, Naomi and Elimelech. Now, Ruth has not come into this story yet. They're in Bethlehem, and things are so bad, they have got to relocate, got to move. So this is not what they wanted. It was something forced upon them, but they had no control over it. You know, one thing I've learned, footnote, control what you can control, what you can't let it go. You know, uh, I probably won't get this right, because when I have thoughts off the cuff at my age, I never know how it's going to come out. (laughs) But I remember the Danny Gokey song about... Uh, what is that about yesterday is a closing door, you don't live there anymore? I won't sing that for you. Uh, and it's so true. Yesterday is a closing door, you don't live there anymore, so where are you now? And so often, transitions create such anxiety and difficulty that we fear the future. I mean, what if I were in their shoes or sandals, whatever they had on, <laughs> and left home, left familiarity, left family, went to the land of Moab. I didn't know them. They didn't know me. They didn't have a Walmart. Just saying. That was supposed to be funny. And there they are. Transition. Difficult. I mean, this is survival mode. And so they did. They left their home, went to the land of Moab, And uh, they had two sons, Malon and Kilion, however you want to pronounce that, either works for me. And during this time, their sons met their wives. One married Orpah and the other married Ruth. Now get this. They're in a different place. I mean, transition, a good change is a good change is still a change. And here they are. After ten years, now don't skip over that too quickly, because ten years is ten years. We've lived here about well, about twelve years. Can you believe that? Twelve years? And I don't get older, it's just I just live longer. I don't know what it is. But so here after ten years, all the men are dead. Elimelech is dead, Kelion is dead, Melon is dead. Ten years. Now, talking about you would have thought, oh, this is going to be good. We'll settle down. We'll make a go of it. Oh, our sons got married. It's beautiful women. Oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be a wonderful. Maybe we'll make it a good moment until we can get back to Bethlehem. Well, they just all die. And we run over that so quickly, but they had to go through the whole process of death, grief, loss. And it's like, God, what? are you doing? Ever been there? It's not that I don't doubt God. It's not that I don't believe in God's work or his presence or his plan. But to be human and to be realistic, there are times I think, you know, what's up? Everything I do doesn't seem to work out. My prayers get no farther than the roof or it doesn't seem to. And everything I do or try, it doesn't get better. It gets worse. So, God, what's up? So, I want to take that part where we come into Ruth's life. And Naomi, after all this is done, Naomi hears that back in Bethlehem, things are improving. How she heard, I do not know. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have cell phones or, well, not whatever they called them now. Phone, iPhone. didn't have an iPhone. Must have been a traveling caravan. But they heard, she heard, things were improving. So Naomi says, I got to go back. Part of their culture, part of their practice, she had to go back and through a, a, a near kinsman, had to redeem Elimelech's land and whatever else he had had to be done through that near kinsman. And Naomi, Naomi knew they had, she had to do this. She, she said to Orpah and Ruth, look, you've been wonderful. Uh, thank you. You're wonderful daughters-in-law, but now your husbands are dead. My sons are dead. I'm going home. And what we're going to see in this transitional story is what Ruth did. Now, what Orpha did was not right or wrong or indifferent. She just felt like she needed to stay in her own place. Maybe there were other reasons we had no earthly idea about. Maybe her parents were aging and she needed to stay. I don't know. But she decided to stay in Moab, and Ruth comes back to Naomi. Now, I want to take three very simple things about what she did that I think are helpful in times of transition, because oftentimes how we react, and that's the key, is how we react. What other people do to me is on them. How I react to that, them, and the circumstances is on me. I can't control them. I can control me. And I'm responsible for me, my mouth, my thoughts, and everything else. And I've already filed a disclaimer. I don't do this well. So I'm going to tell you what I think the Bible has to say about transitions, and I'm going to keep working on it. So first of all, you in your life, whether it's personal, relational, your job, uh, life, loss of parents, loss of friends, I mean, the list goes on. We are all going through transitions. So what do you do? So the first thing I see in this story, I first I find in verses, uh, chapter one, verses eleven to thirteen, which is to be determined. Now don't don't miss it. We're going to follow back up on this word in just a minute. But be determined. Be determined. I may have to, I have a bad eye. I have to get surgery on this left eye, so I may have to walk over there and read the scripture because I can't see that. Okay, is that cool? That's cool. It's going to have to be cool. So um, this is the passage. It said, but Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight. (laughs) This is really good, isn't it? Uh, and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? Well, no, of course not, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Now, when I read that, I, 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 I think, you know, well, what is he saying? Is, is, that, is, that, is that truth? I think that's Naomi's response. And I don't know that it's the right one. I think we do the same thing. When adversity comes, when transition comes, we either want to blame God, blame others, or anything else, but look in the mirror. Sometimes we are our worst enemy. And I think for Naomi... True or not true, that's another day, another discussion, another whatever. But I think the idea that God has turned against... No, God is for her. We'll get to that in a minute. In fact, she is right in the very center of God's plan and His purpose. But when we go through transitions, particularly the bad ones, those that are sort of thrown in our direction, uh, we have to be determined. And determination gives direction to our commitment. Look, if you would, in verse 16. I'm going to try to read this uh, from here. But Ruth said, no, this is New American Standard. Go over here. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. For where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God my God. Heard that before, right? Weddings, sometimes you hear it at Weddings. They never get to the part well, where you die, I'll die. <laughs> but you know, I guess it's not fun for the wedding part. But this was what she said. Determination gives directions to a commitment. Then I'll share one more verse and I'll come back and explain that. Verse 18. And when she saw that she, Ruth, was what? Is it determined in this? Tra- yeah, determined when Naomi saw that Ruth was Determined to go, she said, "No more. She's done." Now, what's the difference? I, I think a lot of lot of stuff, a lot of grandiosity, uh, and I don't mean that in a negative way. But I think sometimes we can just, oh, I'm I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to commit to that. I, I'm going to make a commitment, and that's and that's good. You got to make a commitment to something. But me, and I'm probably speaking more connotatively than, than, than not on these two words and a little bit of a play on them. Determination, if, if commitment are the goals that you have set for your life, I'm committed to this, determination are the steps to get there. I, have, I can't tell you the countless couples I've worked with for over 40 years. I've heard commitment so much that I don't even listen to it anymore. In fact, I don't listen to what people say at all. That's pretty odd for a counselor, right? I watch their behavior. Their behavior tells me all I need to know. So when we talk about commitment, we, we can hide behind it because it sounds good. Who's committed? I am, I am, I am, I am. Determination gives direction to the commitment. You don't have determination. You just have a nice idea and nowhere where to go. Determination is often demonstrated when you have ownership, which we see in verse 18. You know, you've been around the table, you've had the conversations, you've been in business meetings, you've been in whatever in your job, maybe you've had the uh, executive board meetings, or maybe just group in your own workplace, people throwing out all sort of ideas great great ideas this would be a good thing to do this would be a good thing to do and that'll be a good thing to do and at the end of it i want to say who's owning this because if nobody owns it it will be a great idea a nice little idea put on paper put on powerpoint and nothing really happens so be determined be determined. Ruth was determined. I love this verse. And when Naomi saw she was determined, I just kind of would love to have been in that discussion. What did Ruth say? How did she say it? How did she stomp the ground? How did she point her finger? How did I dunno. But she was determined and Naomi said, Okay, let's go. And they went. So be determined. And in your life and in your circumstance, whether this is about your marriage, your life, your family, your job, your health, your outlook, whatever it is, the first step I think in navigating transitions, whether you created it, someone created it for you, is first of all to be determined. Not just committed, what are you determined for and to what and where are you going and how are you going to get there. The second thing is to be diligent. Be diligent. God may provide things through unexpected ways and he often does. Often does. In chapter 2 verses 1 to 3, if I may read that. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the Dan is that say Dan I, Clan. What did it say? Clan. Clan. That's not a good word. Uh, of of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. See, Ruth doesn't know what's going on, I don't think. Naomi does. She's got this thing working. She's got something. She's matchmaking, and she's pretty good at it. Go ahead, my daughter. (laughs) And she went out, entered a field, and began to gleam behind the harvesters. As it turned out, just so happened to be she was working in the field belonging to Boaz. Well, imagine that, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Is that a D or a C? That is a C. I C. I I really can't read it. So, here we are. Be diligent. Because, you know, Ruth, I'm going to assume Ruth is a little naive at this point. And if she's not, we won't know it. But it looks like Naomi's got a game plan. And so here they are. She knows. She hears about this person named Boaz. And so... Ruth had to be diligent because she didn't know what the next step was. She didn't know where the next provision was coming from. So she was listening to Naomi. What if Ruth had decided? Look, I'm not gonna go out there and sweat. I'm not gonna go behind all those and pick up the leftover. You go do it, Naomi. You drug me here. (laughs) She wouldn't have said it. No, she was diligent. Diligence does not always guarantee results that you think should happen. Because God's going to provide things, my experience has been, in ways and through others you would have never thought. In In fact, sometimes we often get really disappointed when all that we do is pray and hope and look and we think our diligence is about seeing our plan fulfilled. The diligence is not about your plan at all. Diligence is about hearing, looking, listening, watching, and doing. You've heard of the guy that says, well, I don't work. I'm holding out for a management position, (laughs) you know. Uh, Start where you are. Start where you are. I'll tell you my story in a minute, how we got here. It'll be brief, but we have to be diligent and and be aware that, that God is aware of your faithfulness, chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. And Boaz answered and said to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me. Now, they got a serious communication network. I mean, Boaz already knows. They've heard of Ruth's faithfulness to her mother-in-law. I've heard of you. And how you left your father and your mother and the homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. You know what? Just because I'm diligent does not mean that that all of a sudden things become wonderfully well or things fall perfectly into place. Diligence is about persevering, passion, and purpose, because God, in his time, in his way, and through his provisions, in his due season, will bring about what he desires in your life. See, I know that to truth, but I've already told you I'm not a patient person and I don't like change. So you imagine the fun that I have with, with, with God. I mean, I'm I'm a work, I'm a, I'm still in progress a lot of it be diligent and God is aware of your faithfulness even when just think there you are there she was in the land of mo they didn't have this network of communication i mean she was doing all of this stuff for naomi and being faithful to her she did it with no publicity. There wasn't a radio station nearby. No one was broadcasting this conversation on the local news. No, this was out in the middle of nowhere. And, and, and Ruth's still trying to figure out this whole thing anyway. But she knew what it meant to be determined. And she knew what it meant to be diligent. And diligence means I persevere until God provides. I was... Uh, just a number of years ago, my wife and I and our family decided to do mission work in the western part of the United States. We took a church in Arizona. Arizona. Some people go there for fun, and you know, you know that's down in the valley. We were in Pine Top Lakeside Show area, which is up in the White Mountains. We were, our home was at about six thousand feet. So this is the north northeastern corner of Arizona. Three hours from Phoenix. Different world. Different world. You had the Apache on one side and the Navajo Nation on the other, on either side of the mountain. And you had a whole bunch of whatever development in right smack in the middle of it. A lot of tension, a lot of difficulty out there. A lot of people go there to hide, get away. It's a beautiful place. Well, very long story short, after a few years, it was very clear to me that I needed to get my family out of there. We needed to make a move. And there was a conference coming up. And I told my wife, I said, I really need to go to that conference, but I need to stay here and pray, do something, figure it out. What, what are we going to do? And as most of the time, you know, she's not here, right? She, so she's right most of the time. <laughs> not 99%. <laughs> Oh, she's going to see this, isn't she? Is this on? Re- oh dear. Ugh. Okay, retract that. But anyway, she was right. Go on to the conference. Just go. Just go. I said I don't need to go. I didn't go to the conference, so I did. And being in Arizona, getting to Southern California wasn't that far away. So I drove, went, came to the conference. Several thousand people there. And in the middle of it, I decided to go out to the. Um, I had to go to the bathroom I mean how else do you say that I had to go to the bathroom and as I was walking in an old friend of mine by the name of Jimmy came walking out had I delayed a little longer had I waited to the end of the song had I waited to the end of the segment in the presentation or had Jimmy not needed to go to the bathroom I would have never seen Jimmy too many people there. We crossed paths, and he said, Reg, what are you doing? I said, what are you doing? And I told him about the story. I said, you know, we're in a place. We've been there a few years, but I, I, we need to move. That's another story, as I said. And he said, look, you, when you get home, you call me. Okay. So I did. Jimmy's from Virginia. Uh, he's, he's no longer the pastor, but he was the pastor of a multi-campus church. And, he said, and I called him he said, hey, Reg, tell me again what's going on. So I did. He said, look, why don't you come, move to Virginia. We need, a, we need a campus pastor over in Marion. Come and stay as long as you want. We want to take care of you. I mean, this is, a, this is another church I mean, telling me we'll move you. We'll pay for you to move. We'll bring you in. We need a campus pastor. Stay three months, four months, two years, three years. You stay as long as you need to until you feel like you're okay with it or you need to move on. You just come. And I thought, wow, this is what this is about. This is incredible. What a gift. And it happened. God provided a way out through a bathroom door. I would have never thought. And we stayed there for a couple of years or whatever, so, and moved here because we, my wife, being a nurse, uh, wanted to be closer to her aging parents. And so back in 09, 10, we moved to Lafayette. I didn't have a job. She moved and became a nurse over at Franciscan. I had to get a job at Chick fil A. I was older. Than the manager, I was older than whoever was there. I was like their grandpa. Good company, good food, but I hated every minute of it. I mean, I, I mean, playing with chicken and I mean, holy moly! I mean, I didn't know what to do. I messed up more stuff than you can imagine. I'm not accustomed to being back in the hot kitchen, but you know, you got to do what you got to do when you got to do it. And then next thing I knew, I was looking online. I ended up finding Jeff and Long Center, Lafayette Community Church. I started there. One thing led to another, and wow, I got out of Chick-fil-A. Nothing negative about Chick-fil-A. I just needed to get out. I don't do the kitchen stuff. And I probably messed up more chicken, and they probably wanted to get rid of me anyway. But it was my pleasure to serve there. Yeah, I remember that part. Who would have ever thought? Was it a matter of diligence, little d? I can't claim super duper diligence. I was being as diligent as I knew how. I was doing what I knew to do. And little did I know that going to a conference would have provided what it did back then. And then, let, and next thing you know, we're here and been here for what twelve years. This September will be thirteen years. God has a plan. Be determined. Be diligent and and last, be encouraged. This is the part that I think sometimes we feel guilty about. It's like, well, if, if if I'm really going through a transition, should I be happy about it? Well, I'm not talking about being happy superficially. I'm talking about being encouraged. Be encouraged when it hurts. Being encouraged when it's going great, but be encouraged. In chapter four, at the end of this story, why is this such an important story? Because at the end, what, what started in Bethlehem ended up out in the middle of nowhere in the land of Moab, marrying husband that all died, bringing Ruth back into Bethlehem, ends up meeting Boaz, and so that sort of got the whole process, another story, another sermon. They get married. They get married. Now, in uh, chapter, chapter 4, verses 13 and 17... It says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he had made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who is this day, has not left you without a guardian redeemer, or kinsman redeemer, some translations say. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, and he became the father of David through the lineage through which Christ, our Messiah, would would come. That's why that's important in many other ways. Who would ever thought someone in Moab would be connected to Naomi, would marry Boaz, and somehow fall in this lineage all the way from up to David? Be encouraged. God has a plan, and you are a part of it. And I say that because I think when transitions are difficult, they're were, they were thrown in your direction. You didn't have any, you, you know, you had no plans for this. We feel horrible. We feel depressed. We feel discouraged. We feel uh, guilty. And somehow we become our worst enemy all over again. And I want us to be encouraged today because God has a plan and you are a part of it. You're not an extra. You're not just a passing person on the street just to fill in the scene. No, you're the star of the show. He has a purpose for you. Be encouraged. Be encouraged when God's provision is different than you thought, and it will be. What we think would happen, maybe sometimes it does. My experience is what I think, what I plan, my wonderful ideas. I've got this all planned out right down to the letter. It didn't work. Be determined, be diligent, be encouraged. And be encouraged because God has an eternal perspective. God has an eternal perspective that we do not have. And what I mean by that. In closing, I want to share with you a passage of Scripture that to me in the New Testament at least sums this up. It says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. I'm reading for the I'll read up here. That's New the American standard. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Through outwardly, we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God has an eternal perspective we don't have. I wish I did. I can be talking, I can't tell you, that just the year I've been working at the hospital as a chaplain, I can't tell you, The people, the lives, the hands I've held, the prayers I've prayed, and seeing them take their last breath when one minute they're talking to me and the next minute they're gone. This veil is so thin. My words. I have no proof of that. It's so thin. And whatever you're going through, however hopeless it seems, remember these three things. Remember that God does have an overall purpose, and he sees things from an eternal perspective we don't, we don't have. You've heard it said, and I've often shared this, this, this example about a tapestry. You ever seen the back of one, a, a real one? The ones that I have seen has string, yarn, I mean, it's all over the place, behind If you were to look at a tapestry from behind, at least the ones I've seen, they may not all be alike. it It looks like a train wreck on steroids. It's horrible looking. But when you look on the front of the tapestry, it's like, this is, it's beautiful. You become speechless. Look at the design and you see what God is doing. That's an eternal perspective. We don't. We have the backside of the tapestry. I wish we had something different. So we trust God that on the front of this, He is designing and making and doing all that is necessary to create and design a tapestry uniquely, perfectly, eternally designed with you in mind. Be encouraged today. Be encouraged today. May we pray. Father, today we, we come to a place in our lives as a church, individuals. We're at a major crossroad. It's a transition. But God, you haven't left us here long. We didn't just get here by accident. You're not even surprised. In fact, you're already at work providing, doing, using others. We thank you for what you are doing in our lives and the exciting things and thoughts and ideas and the things that you will do in Jeff and Jen's life and the life of this church. God, we confess that it would be our desire to be so controlling and so designing when we need to be diligent, when we need to be determined, and we need to be encouraged Because you are God. You have not left us alone. You have taken us to the land of Moab for us to to, to live and die. But you have brought us into a new life, a new time, with new purpose. For that, we give you thanks. In the name of Christ, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Lafayette Community Church. We are all about helping you live the life you were made to live. God made you, God loves you, and His plans for you are perfect. So if you are anywhere near Lafayette, Indiana, join us this weekend at one of our worship gatherings. And wherever you are, check us out online at lafayettecommunitychurch.com.